You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, if you're here and God's done something amazing in your life, I want to encourage you before we get into the Word this morning, never shy away from telling people your story because it's amazing what it does in unlocking someone else's world. And as Pastor Craig said, it is great to be here all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, I think it's about 12 months since I was here last time. I, I obviously didn't do too well because it took a year to get invited back, but I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I get a, an invite within a 12-month period next time. But uh, I just love coming. I love that we are one church, one big family right across even the good old ditch. And, uh, you know, I'm believing that today God would speak to each one of us. And I want to encourage you, this is not like Pastor Craig said, as you can see on the screens, one purpose. This is not just some great idea, but this is what it's all about. And uh, whether you know everything about God or you know nothing about God, the good news is that Jesus loves you and He loves you as much as He loves every other person that we know. And I believe that today God's going to deposit in my life and I'm praying in your life a new understanding, a new conviction for the lost because it is all about people. Today we're going to focus in on this angle, if you want to call it, uh, around one opportunity. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that we are here today, gone tomorrow, and that is a scary thing. When you think a little bit about it, you're like, wait, uh, I'm not not keen to to die yet. What do you mean here today, gone tomorrow? But Jesus wants us to capture a revelation like he lived his life that, hey, we have so much to give and to be a part of that we need to realize we need to live every day as though it's our last. And if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to go through verses 1 all the way through to 11 as a, I guess, a setup or a foundational scripture. So if you've got an iPhone, iPod, Android, iPad, iComputer, iWhatever, or the good old paper Bible, why don't you turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 to 11 says this, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I have preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was the most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was bruised and He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by more than 500 of His followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then He was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Verse 9, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out a special favor on me. And not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference, hear this, it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. Father, we thank you for today. Lord God, we thank you, your presence is here. Lord, your word declares that where two or more are gathered, you are in the midst. 
Father, we thank you your presence isn't here just to give us a good feeling, but it's here to change our lives. And Father, we ask that over the next few moments, Lord God, that you would speak to each one of us. Father, I pray that I wouldn't just speak a message with a bunch of good ideas, Lord God, but you would speak in and through me to each one of us here today. We ask that you would have your way in your powerful and mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Have you ever had this question posed to you? Do you want the good news or the bad news? You know what I'm talking about? It's a stupid question because there's no good way to answer it. Maybe you're someone that would prefer the good news first and hope that the bad news doesn't outweigh what you just heard. Or maybe you'd rather the bad news so that you feel good about yourself after. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, for me, if bad news is a part of the equation, no thanks. It's like if someone says, would you like the good news or the bad news? I just won't have the news at all. Thank you very much. But we read in Scripture that we have the good news. We're talking one purpose, that it's about people. I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian since the age of three. I'm 30 years old now. I still to this day, growing up in church as a PK, a pastor's kid, I still to this day, even though I know that it's the good news, can be hesitant in moments where I have an opportunity to share my story, to share my faith as though I carry bad news. You know, maybe you've, maybe you've had an unfortunate situation in your family or in your own life where the prognosis is not good, where something unexpected takes place and it's like, whoa, why did you tell me that? That's just bad news. And you kind of get frustrated at the fact that someone told you something that potentially was the reality in that moment of time And it's like this gets ingrained in our lives that when it comes to one purpose, people, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to being Christians and Jesus saying, hey, would you go into all the world? It's kind of like, ah, hey, uh, what'd you do on the weekend? Oh, you know, uh, you know, I went to this place in uh, Mark Street, you know, it was awesome. What? Oh, you know, kind of went to, uh, you know, you kind of fumble as though you've got something bad to tell them. But the scripture makes it really clear where the writer says, hey, you need to realize you don't have bad news. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Craig talked about this very concept, this idea that we need to understand and capture and grasp the reality of how good the news is. And then Pastor Bayless last week, if you're here, amazing message, amazing testimony, amazing man that God has used, where you go, man, if, if God can do it for him, there's hope for me. And unfortunately, we may find ourselves where we're sitting right now, where we're not pumped on some of the areas or aspects of life, and it's almost like we disqualify ourselves from the news we have. But I love the scripture because it says, hey, I was the last one. And it was although I was born at the wrong time. (laughs) It was as though I shouldn't have been worthy because I was the one that tried to take the good news down. But yet even I preach the same news they preach. What an encouragement for every single one of us that we have the good, good news. But I want to encourage you not to be scared or back away from, well, what do I say? Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or what happens if someone reacts? We encounter and we understand through Scripture that it doesn't matter whether you think it's good news or not, dependent on the person receiving the news's position will determine how good it really is. You know, Melissa and I have two beautiful daughters. 
uh, Ruby, who's turning four in July, and Bella, who turned two last Sunday. I'll never forget that moment of going to tell my mum that we were pregnant with Ruby, the first grandchild. Now, if you know anything about my mum's story, Pastor Paul and Maria are legends. They're our mama and papa of the house. But she grew up with four brothers. Her dad passed away early on in life. She ended up having three sons. And she had been praying for many years, not just for a grandchild, but for a girl. She had got our sister's women's conference with thousands of ladies ladies praying that whenever this child comes along, she would remind me when she realized I was serious about dating Melissa. This is well before we were engaged or anything. She's like, oh, can't wait for the grandies. You know, it's like, mom, calm down. So you can only imagine what the response was when the good news came. But you see, it was exciting for me because I knew what it would do for her. And it was exciting for her because it was something she was looking for and longing for. Could it be that we underestimate Jesus? Could it be we underestimate the good news? Could it be that we don't actually realize how much every single person we do life with that doesn't yet know Jesus needs the good news? Could it be that that moment where you step out for the second time after the first time it didn't go bad, all of a sudden someone says, this sounds great, I'm in. And all of a sudden your perspective changes. All of a sudden you're not walking around going, oh man, I hope uh, Monday, I hope I don't get that question. How was the weekend? You're waking up when that alarm goes off 7 a.m. on Monday, you're like, yeah, baby. It's time to tell someone about the good news because you've got a revelation and an understanding that not only is it good for you, It's good for the recipient. What does that look like for you? Chances are it's very different to what it looks like for me. I have the privilege of working in church and I have many people say, so like, what else do you do? Like, what's your other job? Like, um, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, church is on Sunday, so what do you do the rest of the week? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's probably a little different to what you think church is like. Um, It's pretty full time. And I have to myself be very intentional about engaging people that I know are yet to hear the good news. For me, that looks like rolling up to the KFC drive through on a weekly basis, having an excuse to eat the dirty bird, because I know that there is an opportunity to tell someone about the good news and a great opportunity for my stomach. You see, we've got we to gotta not just hope that the right opportunity comes along. I believe God's a master orchestrator. But he gives you and I the ability to use our eyes, to use our ears, to use our, world, our words to engage other people. We have one opportunity. In the book of Philippians, verse 1, 12 to 14, Paul writes and he says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I love this passage because it reminds us that even though we may not know the outcome or the response, regardless of whether we even find ourselves like Paul in chains, he goes, you don't understand. It's not bad news. I'm now here in a palace where I would have never got access, been able to share the good news with the guards. 
you don't understand because God is still in control. And although it may have not worked out the way I thought it would, now I am in this place. Other believers have gained confidence to speak the good news. Whatever it looks like, whatever the outcome may be, can we for a moment sidestep the fear of what that may be and understand that the good news is good news? Regardless of what the reaction may be, regardless of what we may have thought it would have gone a certain way when we speak the good news, it will never return void. And I want to challenge you, I want to stir you up this morning because I believe in Scripture there was, not by chance, but by design, an interesting passage placed in there right before Jesus left. We know the story of Jesus. If you've been a part of church, he came to earth and at the age of 30, he started his ministry and then he was persecuted as we just celebrated and remembered him with communion. And then he rose again. A couple weekends time, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. He rose again so that whatever we may have been dealt as a outcome for our sin was now smashed. It was now finished, the Bible says. But before after he rose and before he ascended to heaven, it was like this last moment of time. Have you ever watched one of those movies where it's like, you know, someone who has the key to the next part of the story, you know, gets shot in the leg or something and they're hunched over, you know, a 40, 40 liter gallon drum or whatever type of thing. And they're like, the person leans in like for that last word. And you sometimes like, and they're like, oh, thanks. And you're like, what did they even say? You know, it always seems to me that last word that, helps the rest of the story unfold. You know what I'm talking about? It's that last moment that everyone leans in. It's like, oh, oh, here we go, here we go. Jesus picks his words very carefully as to say, hey, right before I go, I want you to realize this is the most important thing. He chooses these words carefully and it says in the book of Mark, as his final instruction, 16 verse 15 to 18, right before it says in the script, and he ascended to heaven. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. I don't know about you, but I don't read anything there that points to bad news. He says, hey, I want you to go into all the world. I don't want you just to come into a great church and find great community. Those are really good things. But if that's all you do and hope other people come in, you miss it. Church is about our engagement with each other, our engagement with God. But we should be fueled up and have an understanding and a revelation as Christians that Jesus said right before he left. Hey, I want you to know one final instruction. The most important, go into all the world. Not go into a great church called life and hope that you have a good life. He says, hey, you, you with that checkered past. Hey, you, you with the great life. Hey, you, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, I choose you to be me and my hands and feet. And for some of us, that is a scary thought. My hands up. What do you mean? You you shouldn't say that. You're a pastor. Every single one of us is not exempt from natural feelings, from human understanding. But when we capture a revelation, 
that Jesus asks us to go into all the world. And then he doesn't just leave it hanging there. He doesn't just give us the hospital pass. He, he puts us, he puts the ball into the line. We go straight through the gap because he says, when you lay your hands on the sick, guess what happens? They will be healed. Good news. I don't know about you though. It's like you see someone with a limb and you're like, oh, I know, I know I should say, hey, can I pray for you? But because of the unsured nature of what the response may or may not be, we think, yeah, nah, <laughs> bad news. Come on. I want to stir you up as much as myself this morning that we have the good news. What a great challenge that Jesus leaves us with. Let's never underestimate the good news. Let's never underestimate what Jesus can do. Acts 20 verse 24. I love the scripture. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Isn't it interesting that when you get just a moment of clarity and you remember back, if you're someone that's made a decision for Jesus, of what that did in your life? You're like, oh my gosh, man, I am so thankful for the grace of God. Do we, do we actually fathom that we can be a link in the chain? We are not the Savior. He is. But He chooses you and I to go into all the world to create that moment or that opportunity for people. My prayer today is that it wouldn't just be another message, but there would be a new understanding, a new revelation that, oh, that's right, I don't have the doom and gloom news. Although someone may not agree with my stance or my point, I have the good news. You know, we need to understand as Christians that if all we do is turn up at work tomorrow, fired up because we got a revelation of it, and we say, right, I'm coming after you. And that you is someone you've never talked to before. Chances are, they're not going to want to talk to you anyway. Ever had someone try and, you know, talk to you about something you don't really care about because A, you don't care about it, but B, you don't know who they are and you're like, dude, get away from me. You know, we've got to understand that we need to build relationship with those we do life with. I think there's an example where it's like you, you can't take two tons of weight over a one-ton bridge in the sense that, oh, oh, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to throw the Bible at them. I'm going to tell them that, you know, hell's coming for them. I'm going to, whatever it may be, and our chances are, that's definitely bad news. <laughs> Although it may be true, people won't engage unless there's relationship built. What does that look like? What does that mean? I guess for me, the understanding is it's not about the outcome. It's about the journey. You know, I have a heart to see every single person that I come across or that I know is yet to know Jesus to see them to come into the relationship. Why? Because I know how good it is. But we have to be wise. We have to use wisdom to understand that there will be moments where it's not appropriate to say, hey, you really need Jesus. When someone's hurting, you know, they're going through something. A family member has got a prognosis that is not great. Chances are, although it's true, hey, we can believe for healing if you don't have relationship with them. If you haven't done the journey with them, for you to suggest that is going to come across as bad news. And so I'd love to say there's a five-step process. And we're going to hand out a bullet point, little A5 sheet of paper. And if you follow these guidelines, 
you're good to go. But the reality is it's up to you and I to use wisdom and judgment at when the appropriate time with the appropriate people is to share the good news. Because it's dependent on where they're at in their journey of life as to how they will receive the news we have. You know, there was a survey done of 8,000 people that had just recently made a decision for Christ. Funny what the survey pulled up. You know, we're talking about the fact that we've got one purpose. It's all about people. Today, a reminder that there's one opportunity. We get one life to live. And the revelation for me is when I understood it's not just the good news, it's not just about bad people becoming good. It's actually about dead people becoming alive. It's not just about, oh man, I've got to share the good news because I think they're in a bad place or they're going through something. And if they knew the good news, then they would become good. No, it's not just about that. It's actually about understanding you guys are dying. I've got good news that's going to help you come to life. Every single one of us that's met Jesus can testify to the goodness and the grace of our almighty Savior. But chances are, for most people, as we're going to read in a moment, it was because of someone else's sacrifice, someone else's response, someone else's getting out of the comfort zone and sharing their faith, asking the question, sharing the good news, that our lives are now changed. 5% of the 8,000 people were walk-ins into church who stayed. 7% came because of the pastor. Maybe they liked how they talked, got a cool Kiwi accent. Maybe someone said, hey, I know someone. She's amazing. She's a pastor at a church and she's really helped me. Whatever it may have been, 7% of the 8,000 became because of the pastor. 3% came because the church had a program they liked. It was a great Easter event or a great Christmas production or something that the church put on. 1% 1% came through door-to-door visitation, the, call, the cold call. 1%. 4% came because of the kids' program. Great Sunday school, I want my kids to come into a great environment. 0.0001% came through a crusade or TV program. And 80%, 8-0, came through invitation of friends or family. 80%. We've got to understand that it wasn't just a great scripture or a great idea. Jesus' final words were very intentionally placed to say, guys, you need to capture it. I'm giving you the baton. It's your turn to run. Would you ask? Would you share? Would you invite? Would you be the hands and feet to see a, a lost and a hurting world come to know me through the good news I have given you? We're going to watch a great story, a life story of a lady by the name of Sarah that just reinforces this whole thing about the power of invitation. So why don't you check out the screen? So dad was an alcoholic, caused lots of verbal fights between mum and dad. I was an okay kid at home and an okay kid at school. But outside of that, I was this person who was on drugs and was sleeping around. And mum got to the point where she needed to go out and deal with something for herself. She met this lady through her work and um, she invited her along to church. 
and through that, my mum came to know God. My sister was now in university. Through uni, she met a girl, and um, this person asked her to church. She had been going to church over these past two years, and I had seen the changes in her, and I guess it almost made it worse. It made me want to rebel even more. It was kind of me and Dad, I think, we were kind of like these the last two in our family. And then my sister started asking me every weekend, do you want to come to church with me? And one weekend I turned around to her and I said, if, you, if I go with you this one time, will you stop asking me? And she said, yes. And so I went. And then I haven't stopped going since. When I walked into those doors at church, that was half of that, you know, feeling of being home was walking in and going far out, like, what is this that you feel whole? And that's God. And that feeling is, is what brought me back, that unconditional love that I felt. By that stage, it was Dad had given his life to God as well. All of a sudden, we're this family who all know God and all love God and he's such a huge part of our lives and Dad has been sober now for 13 and a half years. I guess if there was one thing that I could say is that if there is someone that you are praying for or if there is someone that you are thinking about that you think is too far down that track, you never know what is going to happen and God has got them and just don't stop. Come on, let's put our hands together for Sarah. The power of an invitation. Come on, don't underestimate what Jesus has done in your life to see people in your world come to know him. He's not just here to give us a good feeling or to give us a great life. Yes, those are good things to have and they come with knowing Jesus, but he challenges you and I. Come on, we have one purpose. And that one purpose is not just to have a great life. God came to give us life and life abundantly. But that we would share our faith, that we would share our life with others and realize that we've got the good news to deposit. You know, I believe that an invitation is very powerful as we read with those statistics, as we hear in that story, our whole family changed. But I don't know about you, when someone comes to me with an invitation or an offer, if there's not good news attached to it, I kind of find it hard to accept it. You know, I don't know if you have the same thing over here in Melbourne like we do in Auckland, but those people that come knocking on your door to sell you cheaper power or, you know, they've got an offer that's too good to refuse. Do we have that over here? Yep. Uh, last weekend, Saturday, I was minding my own business at home, hanging out with the kids and a knock on the door and, hey, if you're in this profession, all love to you. It's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world, but... This dude knocks on the door and he says, oh, hi, sir, can I have a couple of moments? I said, yeah, no worries, what's up? He goes, oh, I'm just wondering uh, if you'd like super fast broadband. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I would love it, yeah, but uh, I'm all good. No, you don't understand, sir, it's super fast broadband. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I know what it is. Um, I just know I can't get it in my house. He's like, hmm. He whips out the iPhone and he punches in a few things and he's scrolling through and he's like, hmm, 
yeah, it appears that the house next door can get fibre, but you can't. I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot. I know. He's like, ah, and then you kind of, I could see the, I guess the cogs turning, the, you know, the book that they learn of, hey, don't take no for an answer, so what's the next question, you know? And he's like, um, oh, sorry to hear that, sir. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's just, you can see it happening. And he goes, uh, do, you, do you mind asking me, sir, um, what you pay for your internet? And I said, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you off the, like, the exact detail, but off the top of my head, I've got a pretty good deal going. It's roughly $60 a month for, <coughs> for unlimited. And he's like, oh, that, that is a good deal. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm out of here. See ya. And I'm like, sorry, man. <laughs> See you later. And he was, I think he left pretty depressed. But um, the reality was he had an invitation for me, but it was attached with bad news. And so I wasn't interested. I knew that my house, unfortunately, for some whatever reason, is on the other side of a driveway that connects these other houses, and they can get it, but I can't. And he, I remember him saying, and when he said, oh, you can't get it, he goes, um, yeah, well, it's available to you in 2019. It's like, thanks, but no thanks. Get, it, get out of here. No. But when we invite people to church, when we step out of the boat, so to speak, we need to realize that we're not doing it with bad news. That when we attach the good news to an invitation, people, even when they're not expecting it, sitting there minding my own business, and if he could have told me that I could have got fibre, there's a very good chance, now that Netflix is on the TV, that I would have taken up that offer so that the buffering went away. I wasn't expecting him to come knocking at my door. I was minding my own business, but because he didn't have good news attached to the invitation, it was no deal. When we invite people, come on, we've got to encourage them with the good news. So very quickly, as I bring this to a close, as Hims joins me on the keys, I don't want you to be distracted, but I've got a couple of scriptures and thoughts around what the good news will do. What the good news will do. Number one, the good news will never return void. Isaiah 55, 11, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What a challenge. It will accomplish what I want it to. Yeah, but they said no. Yeah, but they said, oh, are you one of those weirdos? Oh, but they said, Jesus taught us as he lived this life on earth that it's not necessarily actually about the outcome, but it's about doing the work of who God is. Not only that, the good news, I believe, will cause a reaction. Good or bad. 1 Peter verse 4 to 4 to 6. Of course, you former friends are surprised. Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in spirit. Let's not shy away from what the reaction may be. Ever been in a room where the lights are out and someone flicks the light on unexpectedly like your kids? And you're like, ah, turn it off! Because your eyes are acclimatized to the darkness. Let's not kid ourselves, people, when we bring light into a dark situation. It's going to cause a few, ah, type moments. 
It says right here that, hey, they won't get why you're saying no to things now. So what? So they ditch you? No, they go after you. They slander you. But we have the good news. We hold on to the hope in who Jesus is and what He's done for us, not what they agree with or don't agree with. It will always cause a reaction one way or another. One way or another. Anyway. The good news will sow a seed. Romans 10 verse 13 to 17. For everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe Him? Watch this. And how can they believe Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the Scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. But not everyone will welcome the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Come on, let's not give up because when we share the good news, seeds are sown. Not only that, I believe the good news will bring peace in chaos. Acts 10 verse 36, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Understand the good news is like Nurofen to back pain. There are people that are broken, there are people that are hurting, but when they hear the good news, all of a sudden things start to shift. All of a sudden things start to change. Maybe you're here and your life is out of control. Maybe you don't know Jesus. I've got good news for you. In a couple of moments' time, I'm going to give you the opportunity to say yes to Him. And it's not about changing your lifestyle, so to speak. It's not about joining a church. It's not even about knowing how to pray right. But it is about acknowledging your need for a Savior. And in that moment, as you decide to make that decision, you go on a journey with Jesus and discover, oh my gosh, my life can be so much better than what it is right now. Not only that, I think the good news will quench the thirsty. Proverbs 25.25 says, Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. There is nothing worse than needing a drink because you're parched and you're over it and you can't find one. You start trying to do all sorts of things like get more saliva in your mouth just to get it down the throat because you're like, man, I need a drink. People are longing and looking. People are longing and looking. They are thirsty and the good news will quench that thirst. The good news will bring hope to everyone. Revelations 14 verse 6. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. The gospel, the good news is not exclusive, it's inclusive. Whether you're sitting here today and you go, oh, but you don't understand, Luke, my life, it's not in a good way. You see, the amazing thing is a relationship with Jesus is completely different to what we think we should have, which is religion. Do this to get that. Jesus says, hey, you come just as you are. If you're prepared to acknowledge me, the Bible puts it this way. If we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we shall be saved. Not if you get your life together, if you sort it out, if you dress right, if you know the Bible from covenant. No, 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 none of that stuff applies right now. If you don't know Him, you can know Him in a moment and everything changes. A relationship with Jesus changes your life. Not only that, I believe the good news will give confidence and power. Romans 1 verse 16 
For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jews first and the Gentiles. And then finally, the good news about break, is about breaking chains and bringing freedom. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. God has given you and I, through Jesus, the keys to unlock people's chains that are going through the mincer right now. That the good news would be a key that unlocks that rusted lock that's been rusted over for years. Someone's done something to someone. They've ended up doing something they don't want to do with their life and they find themselves bound in chains. The good news will set people free. So the question is simple. What are we waiting for? This place here should be in a problematic state because we can't fit everyone in on a Sunday because we capture a revelation. Man, can you hurry up, Luke? Because I need Monday to roll around because I need to go tell some people about Jesus. We need to capture the revelation. We carry the good news. It's not about good people. Sorry, it's not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. Sin causes each one of us to be dead, so to speak. But Jesus, through relationship, causes our lives to come alive. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.